The His Girl Friday podcast is brought to you in part by Messenger Fellowship, living the kingdom, fulfilling the call, proclaiming the truth. Welcome to the His Girl Friday podcast, everyone. I am yours truly, Cameron Fry, co-founder of His Girl Friday dot com and fryfreelance.com. You can go check those websites out at your convenience when you have a chance in case you haven't already. All right, we're going to just jump right in today. I'm excited about this pod. Last time we talked about what it means to be intentional, specifically being intentional to be intentional. For tonight, we're going to go in a different direction and refer back to last year at this time when I wrote a post called Three Things I'm Really Sorry For, referring to some of the things I did wrong in 2017, things that I hope it, that I hope to correct and improve on. And at the time, I didn't know it was going to become a series. But after thinking about it, contemplating it uh, in the aftermath, I realized, you know what, I think every mid-January, I'm going to add on to this and talk about three things I'm sorry for referring to the prior year after I've had time to do some internal inventory and praying to, all right, God, what is it you want to change in my life this year? So the past week, I've been compiling a list and kind of filtering it, kind of chewing on it, dissecting it, and I've come up with my three things. Uh, This year, I'm going to call it three more things I'm really sorry for, and we'll figure out how to rename this uh, in future years because I like being original with my titles, not just like part two, part four, part ten, whatever. But in reality, if you're like me, you like to reflect. You like to ponder. You like to chew on things, dissect things. Uh, I am slow sometimes in my dealing with things because I just want to make sure that I'm going about life the right way. You know, I want to be able to say the right things at the, the right time. Um, Sometimes I will become too eager and my impatience gets the best of me. But uh, for the most part, I know that I'm not the most spontaneous person. I'm not the most extemporaneous person. It's not that I'm, oh, I'm an introvert. And it's more just, I like to get away and, like I said, just contemplate. Even if it's at a cost, you know. You know, my mindset is there's so much to say, there's so much to do. How could either happen when there's so much to think? But here we are. We're journeying through another January. And, you know, as alluded to, the heart behind the series hasn't changed in the past 12 months. You know, if we want to think right, we must get right. If we want to get right, then we must get real. And if we want to get real, we must value cleanse before change. You know, last year I was like, okay, well... Let's, you know, I was tempted to just hop right in. I kind of had an idea of, all right, I, I know how I want 2018 to be after waking up in some, some critical ways in 2017. You know, 2017 was the year that I did Restoring the Foundations. You could Google about that ministry and uh, do some research on the side if you like. Uh, but that was my Restoring the Foundations year. And it really set the table for last year, which it's still weird to think that last year was 2018. Still writing that on my checks and on legal documents, whatever. It's 2019. Get in my head. Anywho, internal inventory is never 
easy putting all things on the table for examination. You know, it requires courage and humility, vulnerability, among other things. But the goal of these posts, you know, I, I just read off my thesis statement. You know, the if you want to think right, we want to get real, get real, cleanse before change. And three words is what this series is about, cleanse before change. Uh, but another way of viewing it is helping us embrace God's next. It only makes sense to talk about it, to, to pray into the substitutions God has for us. That's another, again, another angle, if you will. You know, what the reason why we take internal inventory is to inquire the Lord of those holy substitutions. There's Because we are fallen, because we are sinful, there's going to be something that needs to be let go of in our life, or released, or re-released, as we so often find. We don't just stop at you know, Lord cast us as far as he's from the West, as, as awesome as that is. The part two of that is, God, I think there's something specific. I know there's something specific you want to replace here. Don't just chisel out the bad, you know, plug in the good. But to do that, we have to own things. We have to forgive ourselves. We have to forgive other people. We have to repent as we turn the page. And so here's what I'm owning as we turn the page to 2019. So point one Make sense of my surroundings, or making sense of my surroundings. It's remarkable the way we justify our surroundings, our settings. You know, for me, whenever I find myself in what I can't explain, you know, living in the moment it can almost seem secondary to knowing why it has to exist. And then suddenly that moment becomes this mystery. I try to crack it. You, you put on your investigation hat. You want to solve a case, thinking if I could solve it, then maybe I could find the satisfaction and peace I crave. But as we know, the journey of life is far from cut and dry. It's not a linear line. It's not a stair-step trajectory, as the world likes to make us think. It's a squiggly line. It's curvy. It's a roller coaster, right? As much as we want to reconcile all our relationships and circumstances, make sense of them, we'll never be able to. There are a lot of reasons why, but sin and free will's response to sin. Top the list, right? Of course, God's sovereignty isn't confined by man's weakness. We know this. Or at least we should. If not, you know, it's a good point to pray in for this year. For me, it's not so much, it's not difficult for me to accept that. However, it's not restricted God's sovereignty. It's not restricted by our ability to Sherlock the past. That is the hard part for me. I love to go back sometimes and, you know, if there's anything that's like, you know what, I'm still struggling with this. I want to know why. Why is it still such an itch after all these years? And you you put on that hat and you just kind of get off track a little bit. And by get off track, I mean you're not inviting God to the process to keep it short and simple. And it's this temptation, I believe, trips many of us up. We long to feel affirmed when we're down. We yearn to feel validated when we smell injustice. Or maybe we feel like we just want someone to agree with us, to feel like, all right, I'm not the only one. Someone on my side out there. And as mentioned, we burn to make sense of our surroundings when they don't make sense. I'm not going to get into it, but that's kind of the testimony of my work experience in recent years. In our quest to solve our voids, little do we realize the size of our ego 
and the numbing effect it has on our attitudes and hard postures. I think we could accept the fact we have selfish moments, self-centered moments, self-absorbed moments, whatever you want to call them. But you know, and we and we know we fall short. But the size of our ego, man, it's like it, you know, just I think it's worth just praying, like Lord, reveal to me, even in the the short and the simple, when I'm like like buzz me almost when I'm catering to the ego, and we'll find that man, this this ego thing of ours is huge if we don't tame it. If we don't uh, restrain it or, you know, put a muscle over it. You know, it's not always fun to accept. The way I see it, often the reason we are where we are is because God wants us to help us find our kneel in that space, in that place, in that setting. To show us where our independencies have become idolatries. And to learn reliance within the unforced rhythms of grace. It's hard to grasp this feeling, especially in seasons of idleness or stress or just going through something traumatic. You know, I, I have work colleagues who have recently lost loved ones over the holidays and it's, you know, they're coming back to work and it's hard to accept that. You know, reentry is so hard, so mind-boggling, so arduous. There's a lot of different ways we could feel like a fish in an aquatic Pandora's box. But if that metaphor happens to resonate, just take a bite of my 2018 testimony. Our free will exists so we can choose Jesus to find freedom. No 12-step program full of striving, just a simple decision to resist the fear of man and the impulse to make sense of our surroundings. I talked to my dad about this recently, and and in the past few years, there's something, a decision that he's chosen to make that... It's really helped him out. And, you know, talk about how, like, you kind of wish that God can buzz you each time your you know, ego is about to take over. Well, there's a way, kind of, um, I don't want to say method, but my dad has found this rhythm, and he shared it in a recent sermon at church. Uh, he's found this rhythm where he just resists the fear of man, and he, and he says it, like, let's just say many times a day. It could be, uh, he'd go a week and have said it 100, 200 times where he just resists the fear of man. He catches himself in the moment. And it's just, we mature as believers. We grow in spirit sensitivity. The more we invite God in, I think the more, well, I think, I know the more you invite God in, the more there's going to be more the type of transaction, those results, I suppose. Um, so I think it's cool how the Lord is faithful to not only convict, but just to you know, show us, like keep us ahead of not only sin, but iniquity as well. Uh, you know, I'm not going to go there. I'm not, I just, name of Jesus, I resist the fear of man. And dad has, he says that so often. And it, I've been able to learn from that story, that application, and I've been able to apply it. And it, it really goes a long way. There's, uh, there's somewhat of a correlation between taking thoughts captive and taking unholy fears captive. And, and then also, because you're doing that, you're not making sense of things so much. I think we'd be surprised how easy it is to want to make sense of, well, not just even our situations and our stuff, but other people like, well, why is this person here? doesn't make sense. You know, why does, you know, it could be something really short and simple like, uh, why is this driver in front of me being the way he, that he is? Uh, why is my neighborhood, you know, full of 
these type of people, you know, I wasn't pl- planning to share this, but there's a lot of, I, I live in the country and there's a lot of truck drivers and they all kind of drive like they own the, the neighborhood. Like they're like the Lord of it. You know, it's just, they will sometimes drive like, are you drunk? Uh, sometimes it's just like, well, what are you in a hurry for? You know, <laughs> like I've, I've, uh, it's a silly, it may sound silly, but I've had to watch my heart towards the, the truck drivers in my neighborhood. I, I had to catch myself. I, um, went so far once in a conversation with my wife saying they're like the white caps at Columbine, which that's a very extreme analogy. And it made me realize, man, I took that way too far. So there you go. There's a little bit of my, uh, ego untamed, unfiltered. And then it's like, oh my gosh, I got to dial it back here. Again, I wasn't planning on sharing that, but hey, I feel like spirit leads and I'm being transparent under the heading of spirit leading. Maybe it could impact somehow. At any rate, getting back to the subject, if you sense the temptation to make sense of your surroundings, if you sense the temptation but not the exit, yield to surrender every time, voice the heart cry. And receive the serenity of stilled waters. There's something incredible that happens when you not only yield in your heart, but you declare something, you proclaim it in a way that you hear it. It's like now there's something internal and external that are resonating in harmony. At any rate, just know that God hasn't abandoned you. So don't you abandon ship this year. It's easy to say don't give up to people. Just hold on. If I were you, though, I I would just pray, God, show me how to hold on. Show me what to hold on to. You know, so that holding on to you doesn't become something arbitrary. Just, and I lose sight of it because it's vague. Show me the specifics of of what of you and what you have to offer should I hold on to. What truths, what, um, you know, is there anything that I'm holding on to currently that's getting in the way of holding on to something that, you know, will never abandon me or forsake me. All right, number two, the Nazareth complex. So this could be a subset of point one. If you see some tie-ins, don't blame me, but the nature of this conviction is alone worth emphasizing, hence its own points. So I alluded to this a little bit in my 2018 year in review post, but when last year started, going back to the gate was not an option. I just phased out of Legacy Youth with my wife weeks prior. And the hope was that the end of the line with Legacy Youth was the end of the line at the gate. Just being honest, it would preserve this sunset narrative. You know, where it's just like we're sailing off now. We did our work. We did it with everything we had. Mission accomplished. Mission complete. Let's get on to the next. Again, things aren't so cut and dry as we want them to be. There are many reasons I emotionally did not want to come back to the gate. Last year at this time, we were just really starting our sabbatical. We knew that an indefinite sabbatical was needed. And again, not I don't want to repeat anything, but we were going to church. We just were just going to different churches in our in our new hometown, trying things out and just seeing what God was doing. We just felt that that was the mentality going. In. It's like we'll just see what God is doing in other churches that you know, we probably won't ever be a part of long term, but 
it could certainly help. I mean, it's like the word of truth is the word of truth. You know, God could speak to this country pastor we never heard of just as much as he could speak to, you know, these local body pastors I've been walking with the past decade. But the core of my withdrawal, the reason why I didn't want to return back to the gate, didn't want to even think about it, was centered on what I call the Nazareth complex. Maybe there's other names for it I haven't heard yet, but the Nazareth complex is based out of Luke 4, 14 through 30, when Jesus is driven out of his hometown, Nazareth, after revealing his true identity at the synagogue. Now, let me be straight up. I am no Jesus. I'm not trying to, again, make this crazy leap. But the correlation for me personally is this, or at least was. <laughs> Among whom whose eyes I've been under for years, I believed, I had gotten to the point where I believed there was no way for them to know me as God knew me. So what Nazareth was to Jesus, the gate local church had become to me. I still was going and visiting stranger churches kind of as a foreigner, but kind of didn't want to. It was all, I wanted to obey and not feel guilty. Kind of was the main reason why I was going to church at this time last year. And again, the thought was to move on with my life. I had to leave the church what I had known to find anyone who would not only listen, but see me without the past and last name applied. I have no problem admitting that. And that is kind of a, it kind of gets into deep stuff for me. Again, it's safe to say Jesus never employed such a self-absorbed attitude. Uh, but still, it's not hard, I don't, for you as the audience, to see why my deception took months to dissipate. Since my resentment had rooted in deception and the victimization had fixed itself to misapplied scripture. See how the enemy will thwart and twist scripture? You know, I had this idea that came straight out of Luke 4. And I extrapolated it. Tried to make sense of my surroundings again. That's why this kind of relates a little bit. You know, but the more I kind of was mired in it and kind of simmered in it... um, you know, I would justify my ego. There's that word again. This isolated ego. And to do that, I had to constantly cite the past. And church gossip, or at least the potential for gossip, unsurrendered soul, spirit hurts, even assumed vain assumptions. <laughs> there's vain assumptions, and then we there's vain assumptions that we assume on other people, we extrapolate. Um, we think, well, you know what? Someone's body language has changed over time. There has to be something that was said behind closed doors that I will never know, but just, you know, someone must have said something about me because that's the only thing that makes sense. There was no direct issue. There was no confrontation. There was, you know, nothing that, you know, I could think that I am aware of that could have rubbed off the wrong way. So someone must be saying crap behind my back. So one way or another. And that's cemented in people's minds. And yes, they're not actively thinking poorly of me. But they're just not going to think positively when, you know, the thought of me comes up. Of course, as the story goes, I eventually woke up from this, realizing if I truly wanted to move on and take hold of the new, I couldn't keep holding on the way I had been. Six months later, this gets into June, July, August of last year. The exchange is still ongoing. However, the door to freedom is much wider in large part to having repented of this complex. It's a deep one. It's one that I wish I would have brought up 
during RTF in uh, April 2017. The fact it's ongoing, though, I'm not discouraged by it. Because I know that it's kind of a... There's a lot of knots that were entangled. And it's like, have you ever had to unwind something like a, maybe a, a garden hose or Christmas light strand? And it just... You, you know when you are on your way and you're making progress into <laughs> getting the whole thing straightened out. It's not like, you know, or even a knot in your shoes, right? Like, you're not stuck. You know you're not stuck, but you're making progress. But man, it's just, it takes a while to unwind. And it's just because it doesn't happen overnight doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. I think some of you maybe needed to hear that. And that wasn't, again, something I planned on saying. All right, already 20 minutes. Sorry if this is a long one. All right, last point, financial fitness. For many couples, one spouse is the buyer. The other is the saver. For me and Liz, I am clearly the buyer. Who still lives well within his means? Then you have Liz, the former Ramsey employee. Dave Ramsey employee, that is. Uh, who is much better at budgeting and sticking to it. That's probably why she got the gig in the first place, right? Ironically, you would never know this by where our financial anxieties lie. We both bring around the same amount of money to the table, so I guess we're co-breadwinners? Either way, though, the, the, you know we have to work to make ends meet, whatever the cost, whatever time we can give, which I'm sure relates to a lot of you families out there. Unfortunately, the drive for excellence doesn't always put out the entitlements and justifiers we used to buy or even save for momentary contentment and peace. Yes, that's right. Frugality. Overall, in a vacuum, it's a positive term, but it can be abused, just like many things that have a positive connotation to it. For me, I know in this season, I can only afford to invest so much because I'm nearing the end of paying off my student loans. Made a lot of progress since I've been married to Liz. There's still white lies that come from that, though. And one of them is, I can't currently invest as much as I want for my family. Accordingly, I should be frugal in my giving and employ generosity through alternative means. How many of you have thought, well, I can't give so much money here, but I can give my time, energy, I can give advice, encouragement, I can give my words. There are times where we're supposed to give money and we got the the cop out. The excuse is, I'm going to give something else. As long as I'm giving something. Hey, oh, to me there, I do that so much, <laughs> and it, it drives me crazy. I drive my own self crazy. Newsflash. <laughs> really want to get better at this, because my obedience, under the heading of finances, it's, it's just inconsistent. My obedience is inconsistent, and I'm not afraid to say it, because I'm not going to be able to find freedom if I'm not being honest. As I've been convicted... Often my lack of giving ties to a lack of trust manifests as leverage against God for not opening certain doors. I'll say that again. As I've been convicted, often my lack of giving ties to a lack of trust manifests as leverage against God for not opening certain doors. And I think for some of us, we forget withdrawing doesn't just apply to our presence and or banking transactions. It also applies to trusting God with our finances. Or trusting God, period. With our energy, our time. Not just what to sow, but where to sow and how much. But 
having said all that, if you feel financially weak, like me, starting this year, you're not alone. Yeah, on paper, I'm an ex-Ramsey spouse. I've walked through Financial Peace University. I have content, lessons, and principles I could pass down to future generations. But I am not so easily satisfied by that. Because I also know if I'm not maturing my stewardship, those values can only go so far. If I'm not maturing my stewardship, my intentionality, reference to the last post, my intentionality inviting God into my budget will be compromised. Kind of sense a theme here, you know, invite God into your, not only your surroundings and your settings, but into certain prayers and requests and inquiries and your money. That's probably the problem with me is it's not that I don't want God to be a part of it. I just haven't developed this muscle, this habit of, uh, no, you know, thinking to reference him in that way. Sometimes you just be like, all right, if I'm faithful to budget or, you know, if I accept the invitation with my wife to have a, a monthly budget meeting, then that's good enough. And God's in it and I'm good to go. There's way more to stewardship, by the way, than just the stewardship that involves money. So I get that there's there's a, you know, that stewardship is, is a pretty big bubble. It's a broad topic, broader than we think. And I think it's worth to come back to the topic of stewardship and unpack it some more. Uh, but for the sake of time and the nature of this post, uh, I'll let it be a teaser for now. Because uh, stewardship is a buzzword. Make no mistake, it is resonating with me right now. But as for 2019, no longer, and this is a declaration that I'm going to end on, no longer will I reduce God to an on-call financial counselor and over-rely on my wife's strengths to make up the difference. Rather, I'm going to pursue financial fitness, embrace frugality under the context of stewardship, and flex into shape accordingly. Or think of it this way. Even though money isn't the end-all, be-all of extending God's providence, in no way should we want God's faithfulness to be restricted, confined by what we're not trusting Him in. See how this goes beyond money? Besides, if you're listening to this, if you've made it through this entire pod, congratulations, by the way, chances are you have enough and know God is more than enough. So not only do you have what it takes, but you can do this. (laughs) Why not do it together? Selah. As I was typing this out, you know, just getting that, you can do this, you know, all these let's do this, like all those gifts came out. And so if you check out the post, or maybe you're listening to this and you're reading the post at the same time, couldn't help but, you know, plug some let's do this meme action into uh, incorporating it into the blog. And so, but that's just kind of, uh, as I was finishing this up, just kind of let's do this as a team, as a community, as a body, as a brothers and sisters in Christ. Even if you're, we've never met, let's do this. Let's, you know, make this not about me, but we. This is not about showcasing, oh, here are my convictions. Look at what I'm improving. Look at my awareness. You know, I'm not bragging here. If anything, I want to do the opposite and be like, you know, come humbly and be like, you know what? I am a flawed man. I don't even want to brag the fact that I'm working on it. Look at me. I'm working on it over here. I, and we shouldn't be that way. 
Rather, let's, you know, <laughs> in a few words, let's find those places God wants to correct and change um, or even just tweak. And let's make it a we experience. If it's just between you and God, it could be between you. It could, it could involve your spouse, um, a family member, a confidant, a mentor. A lot of different ways this could look. But that's kind of my lasting thought for the day. And so that wraps it up, guys. I hope you enjoyed these three more things I'm really sorry for. Uh, I encourage you to, you know, you don't have to do the, the exact, take the exact same pathway to your uh, goal setting this year. Um, but just take time and, and really seek the Lord and go after him. Go after God. Don't go after the goals of the resolutions. Go after God's heart. Just pray and, and pour out, you know. Take a bow out of the psalmist and just like, God, I I struggle to want you. Help me to want you and to desire and to to honor and to abide by. You know, your laws, your precepts, your boundaries, your word. Help me not to abandon the community because that's where love started eternally. A community of three. All right, guys, you're awesome. You know this, but just in case you need an additional layer of edification, there you go. Listen, I, of course, we're always here for you. We are praying for you, we're interceding for you. We pray God's hand and covering over this pod and future pods of 2019. May God continue to awaken just fresh things in you. Uh, And that could look a number of different ways, but that you will eventually find the new that God has. Praying that you will journey with God in greater measure and do you pursue God, solely Him, nothing else, um, as you journey for greater health and life wellness and habits that what needs to be replaced will be replaced and that you take hold of not only the good but the best and that's how i'll end this pod the best is yet to come be at peace catch you on the fry